would you make an emergency communication plan? Yeah, what would you say your, your emergency plan is? Call as many times as possible. Never call 911. <laughs> Never call 911. Oh my gosh. Tell us, tell us what you're thinking about. What, when I say you need an emergency communication plan, what do you think that is? Or how would you do that? Like how you're in school or whatever and they're like, this is your exit plan. Like, yeah. you you have a plan to grab your three favorite items, and you everybody goes to the back door to the left. Like you have a little map. You know how they used to draw the map out for you. Do you have that at home? Huh? Would you do that at home? Do you here? Have yeah. Um, have you ever thought about that? <clears throat> I mean, when I when they were doing it in school. Okay. But I know, I guess I kind of forget. So what about with grandma? What's your communication plan with her? If, if you were out and there's an emergency, there's an emergency here. Like the world's ending. Yeah. Like Uh, the zombie apocalypse, whatever that word is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. I try to call her and I probably just rush home. Honestly, I probably think about her first. You're on your own. Yeah, I know. It's true. And then I get sugar. Your cat? Yeah. Honestly, I would hide here. So this is your safe place? Yes. What if I can't get home? I'll just sit in a corner and cry and hope that she's okay. <laughs> <laughs> My emergency plan is to find a right, corner. <laughs> exactly. I don't have a plan B, I guess. <laughs> okay. What kind of emergencies do you think of when I say emergency? Like... Like, um, an army invading us or something. I don't know. Airstrikes. Okay. War, I guess. And so you think tornadoes. War and tornadoes. Yes. Okay. Here, that's what I'm most worried about. Okay. War and tornadoes. Or like an earthquake or something. I don't know. That's a good question. Is an earthquake potential here? No, not really. Not really. But you never know. Or like all three of those things at the same time. I don't know. Hmm. Are you thinking like more simple, like a break in or like no, no, the tornado piece? I had not really thought that much about war. Yeah, that kind of. I mean, it's all around us. I'm surprised. Yeah, we're not Hmm. going through that. I can't imagine. That's all. I guess. So you're definitely wouldn't know what to do. Like, like I went through the Anne Frank house and they had this whole apartment set up for them, and like I, I would not know where to go yeah what would your first concern be if you had to do that like you heard on the news this morning that war broke out we're getting people with names that start with p and m and a (laughs) like um yeah i don't know i'd probably try to like board the house up but what would your what would your first concern be like what would you take with you so you're nothing i don't care nothing you and sugar and some water oh Maybe. See, I would not survive very long. <laughs> we need to have a conversation after Maybe this. I do need to listen to this podcast. <laughs> I just assumed that I'd be okay. Somebody will give you water. Like, <laughs> <laughs> die. They, just, they don't die. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was going to be the name of our podcast. Don't, don't die. die. Well, I so. need that advice. Right, yeah. There you go. All right. So she's starting at 2% prepared. We'll get her up to 38.
Well, if anything happened, this is my husband's plan. We're just going to get in the car. We're going to keep on driving. Try to get to my mother-in-law's house in Missouri in the middle of nowhere. So I guess we'll be neighbor. We'll be close enough. Somebody will give us water. And then we yeah. will. Yeah, we'll meet in the we'll middle. We'll come to you for water. Yeah, and then we'll magically have sufficient gas to reach her too, yeah. I guess. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it all just works out, you know. I mean, that's my philosophy. In the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the good thing right now is we have um, three gallon jugs of water and a 24 pack of bottled water. So we can survive probably the next three days. Oh, so we're good. We can just have to start rationing. Yeah, we can shelter in place right here. And we have a can of beans. So all uh, as well. <laughs> yeah. So there you have it. Yeah. The prepare in a year is... Yeah, 12 simple things to do over a year that can help get you better prepared. So your communication plan and your action plan are sort of the top two, because once you start those, then you're well on your way. Um, that communication plan is really just thinking through, as Lee talked about on this last one, you know, who who's on your team <laughs> of preparedness? Who can you call in an emergency? How do you contact them? Where are they? Does everybody else know who your contacts are? Um, making sure you have all that. And then your action plan is really um, everything that we've been talking about on this podcast. You know, what are the, the emergencies you need to be prepared for? What actions do you need to take with that? Do you need to plan to evacuate? Do you need to plan to shelter in place? If you do either of those, you know, how, what stuff do you need to take with you? Um, who else do you need to be planning for if they're not in your household? Um, you know, do you have loved ones that live close by or far away that you need to be considering? Um, and then making sure that the people in your emergency group know what your plan is um, so that they can, you know, have an idea of where you might be, um, where to find you, what their role is. If you expect somebody else to be say, picking up medication for you, you know, they know that they need to be doing that or have a plan for that themselves. Um, so make that plan, have those conversations, practice that plan if it's reasonable, and um, make sure that the people around you that are part of your plan know that they're part of that plan and what their role is. And, and we have lots more detail about how to do that in upcoming episodes. At least today I learned Paisley's um, communication plan and action plan. Communication plan is to call, you can keep on calling. And then action plan is try to get home and grab grandma and sugar. I don't know about you, Angie. I guess you Yeah, I'm, I'm on my own. That She made that pretty clear. <laughs> well, you need to go get water. That's what you need to do. <laughs> yeah, I'll be, I'll be out getting all the supplies. <laughs> Realistically, I probably won't even be here. I'll get whisked away somewhere deeper into the disasters. <laughs> The story is, it will all work out just like the movie. <laughs> all right. So, Lee, today we're going to talk a little bit about a family communication plan around disasters. Are you ready to do that with me? Yeah, I'm excited with this 12-step. Okay. And um, these are, I call it baby step you can take. And then next thing you know, after you finish these 12 steps, you're prepared. You're just prepared. It's a miracle. Yeah. yeah. Well, and communication is always a good first step in, in any plan. Um, but this one is really just highlighting the fact that 
um, your family tends to be, you know, the most important people in your life. And so having a plan for how to communicate after a disaster um, is really important for a lot of different reasons. We've seen a lot of different disasters. And one of the things that happens frequently is power goes out. So everything you have in that phone that you think is going to, you know, allow you to communicate could that phone could die quickly. You could lose that phone. You could be separated, all sorts of things. So that's why we're going to talk a little bit today about having that family disaster communication plan. It's very true. I remember before, before the cell phones age, right? We, I used to remember my best friend's phone number. And I still, I think if I walk up to one of those phone with those buttons, whatever you call it, those, those square big button, one, two, three, four, five. And I think automatically I start dialing. Like I just remember his number, like, do, do, yep. do, 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 do. and now I can, yep. like, I cannot even remember. I don't remember my husband's number. Do you? I do only because I tell a lot of people what it is. We'll have to talk about that on another episode. <laughs> oh, okay. I can remember my work number. Yeah, exactly. Because I repeat that all all the time on in meetings or talking to people. Yep. And even now, I rarely um, used to people exchange business card. Yep. I I I still have uh, like boxes and boxes because what happened is when we are making that connection, we are exchanging number right there. Let me call. What's your number? We're calling. Already saving that their number into our contact, and that's it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, so, so let's, let me explain a little bit about what this means. So it's not necessarily a communication plan like, Hey, am I going to call you, text you, whatever. It's really more of a plan about that. You're going to build with other members of your household just so that everyone knows what to do. If you're not together during that actual emergency or immediately after. Um, So if you're not together, when that emergency strikes, it's important to know how you're going to reconnect and where you'll do that. So especially important for families that have really young children, um, or not really, not even really young children, but let's say children of almost any age, <laughs> if you get disconnected from them during a disaster, or say your kids are at school and you're at work and something strikes your community, you know, it's not that it's that you were disconnected because of the event, but it's just natural part of life. So it's especially important for families that have either young children or family members that may not be able to get around independently. It's also important to remember that our our first instinct usually when we have an emergency is to either call 911 or run to a neighbor's house and get help and ask somebody for help. After a large-scale disaster or really anything that impacts more than just you, you know, if you have a house fire that really just impacts your family, a lot of people will come help. But if you have a flood or a tornado that impacts your town, the emergency personnel are automatically going to be stretched pretty thin. They're out trying to clear the roadways. They're out trying to um, do a search and rescue for people who maybe got trapped. You know, they're doing all sorts of things just to keep that community moving forward and um, get it to a stabilization point. You're right, Angie. And sometimes the first responder might be impacted, either the the cell tower is struck or is down. Um, Sometimes, you know, that's say is a tornadic event. The fire truck, the fire station, or the police station might be the place that got hit. Right. Yeah. So it's really important to remember that while 
those emergency personnel want to be there for each and every individual in that community, they physically can't often. And so for you and your family, it's important that you have this plan so that you can reconnect as quickly as possible and know that everyone is safe or know those individuals in your family that you really do need to, you know, get to an emergency personnel and say, hey, we've got somebody missing and get them started on search and rescue. So do when you're making a plan like this, include anyone in your plan that you want to. You know, families are not the same in in every home. So if the neighbors are a big part of your everyday life, pull them into the plan. If you have extended family that, you know, live down the street or or live in your backyard or or wherever, you know, pull those people in. If you're single but have roommates, you know, that's your family that you live with at the time. So just think about those people that are important in your life and that you would want to be able to get in touch with immediately after a disaster and include them in the plan. So, okay, so step one, what is this plan, right? Uh, So mysterious. So step one is really to choose some meeting places. Um, And there's about four different places that we'll talk about. The first one is an indoor meeting spot. This one is really to prepare your family to be ready to respond to a disaster immediately. So if you have a tornado warning or there's a hurricane or other kinds of storms, a flood warning, that kind of thing, identify that place in your home that you can go. Everyone in your family knows that that's where they should go in those events. So usually it's a small place protected from the exterior, no windows if possible. Usually it's like a closet or a bathroom. If you happen to have a safe room, that's great. If you have a basement, those are usually good. But this, by identifying that ahead of time, it really keeps you from having to make those decisions during that disaster or giving direction. So the family members, if you you know have this plan ahead of time, make that plan and everybody knows it, you save seconds. And sometimes seconds can save lives. So just knowing where do you go in the event of disasters inside your house is step number one. Yeah, I think that's a great idea, practicing it and also just knowing where to go, it keep you calm and keep the family unit or whoever in your family that's going to be calm. And also um, another tip I would like to share is that a lot of us have guests, you know, overnight guests or, you know, I feel like I'm talking about running a bed and breakfast or something. I'm just saying I have people coming over and also let them know if something emergency happened, where the meeting place would be, indoor meeting place, you know. And um, like us, um, I'm is going to be my podcast area, my closet. That's where we're going to squeeze everybody in here. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's usually the case. And reality is, especially with tornadoes, it's not like you have to plan to be there for five days. You're in and out of that safe space within minutes, typically, because that warning comes you know, when that event is in your area. And as soon as it passes, they release that warning because they don't want people to feel like it's an inappropriate warning or, you know, that was a false warning or that kind of thing. So usually those things are pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. So the second place is a neighborhood meeting spot. This one usually is in the case of like a fire or something that impacts your, like a lightning strike, that kind of thing that impacts your individual home. So if you have to leave your home, and everybody has their plan on how to get out and, you know, gets out safely. It's picking that one spot in your neighborhood that everybody knows to go meet so you can tell quickly that everybody's out safely. So it might be, you know, the big tree at the end of the road, or maybe it's at your mailbox or 
Um, maybe you go to the neighbor's house, any of those locations that make sense to your family, but indicating that allows, again, it's thinking about those emergency personnel that are responding. If you have a house fire and you have a meeting place, you can quickly look at your meeting place and say, everybody is out safely. And those firefighters know all they have to do is fight the fire. They don't have to go inside and try and find people. Um, so that's what that in the neighborhood meeting place is all about. Yeah. What do you say about neighborhood meeting spot? I really don't have anything about neighborhood meetings. Actually, yeah, that's a good tip, Angie. And I'm going, I don't know if my neighbor wanted me to go meet up at his mailbox. I might have to, oh, oh, wait, 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 I got it. Yeah. And also another thing is you might, if you do choose your neighbor's mailbox as a meeting spot, you might want to let them know. So yep. you guys don't start congregating. I'm sorry. I just thought it was funny. Look out and also surprise everybody in my mailbox. <laughs> just kidding. No, that's not funny. Well, but that that is the neighborhood spot. And so that's a good point. Um, yeah. So so I'll, I'm going to go back to that one myself. The neighborhood meeting spot. I, you know, I typically I think of this one around a fire, but in reality, it could be after a, a tornado or a flood event. If your home is damaged, people in your home had to sort of run for safety. You may have gotten separated in your own home. So having that meeting place in your neighborhood also allows you in that event, hopefully, to know that everybody's safe. It may be harder to find after a tornado, so make it something that you know, you sort of practice going to because some of the markers end up getting lost um, after a tornado. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, so then the next meeting spot would be a lot of times they, it gets referred to as sort of a regional meeting spot, but really it's something further away from your home. So again, think about a situation where maybe something strikes in the middle of the day and you're at work, your your spouse or partner is at a different job in a different location and the kids are at school. And so everybody's in their normal life, but you're not anywhere close together. You obviously want to reunite as quickly as possible. Roads may be damaged. If it's a flood, you may not physically be able to get to, you know, immediately to say the school. So in those situations, it's sort of good to have an idea of where you could meet that would be closest to those individuals that don't have the ability to get around on their own, those younger um, individuals or individuals with access and functional needs. So it could be like a library, it could be a church, community center, you know, those kinds of things that your family members know where they are and you can all get there relatively quickly. And again, in this situation, it's usually a larger event, something that impacts the larger community. And so people might have to be walking or sort of getting there independently. So practicing where that is, especially if it's, you know, your kids leaving school or that kind of thing, and they may have to walk. I know that sounds crazy. I know everybody thinks that if something happened and my child was in school, the school would not allow them to leave. But it is completely possible that a child could be separated from the rest of their class or from their teacher. And so giving them that ability to understand where they can go and they could reasonably expect to find their parents or another person in their family it is usually the best thing to do. Have that plan and practice that plan. Yeah. And then find something, I think just uh, find something that truly is going to remove you from the danger zone. I think that one thing that sometimes people pick some place where it's still very close, I'm going to use the house. I, I mean, it could mm -hmm. be post event, something struck the house or anything. We're talking about home right now. And it might be something that's still very close to the house. So find something, just evaluate the danger and something that's not too far, not saying two miles down the road, 
but something that's still far away that mm -hmm. remove you from the danger, potential danger of it. Yeah. And typically when you're, when you choose a place like that, especially if it's like a, a community center of any kind, you know, a church or anything, somebody there is going to know your family. It's usually not some place that you've never been that you choose to meet at. So even if, if the rest of your family doesn't show up for whatever reason, maybe they can't get there physically, there's usually going to be somebody there that can help identify who that, that child is or that person is and can help get them reconnect. Okay, so the last meeting spot that's usually recommended is an out-of-town meeting spot. This one usually refers more to disasters that require you to evacuate, so like a hurricane. It's not necessarily as much of a meeting spot unless you have family members that you're putting as part of your plan that maybe don't live in your same household or that you that wouldn't travel directly with you. So, you know, if you have kids away at college or that kind of thing, that out of town meeting spot is is really that place that you know that you can get to relatively quickly and that you can you will be safe from whatever event is coming. So obviously if it's an evacuation for a hurricane, you're going to go north somewhere away from the water, um, usually a good distance. And if everyone in your household knows where that location is, even if they're not with you at the time of the evacuation, you can all meet up at that location. So a lot of times this would be a relative's house, or sometimes it's a hotel that you identify ahead of time. You know, it's, it's one of those that's easy to get to. And maybe you've had a, you know, several visits to that hotel. And so people are familiar with it or, or whatever. Um, but identifying that location so that everybody in your family knows where it is, and is able to get there as quickly as possible. Yeah, I, I know that a lot of time, I searching back memory, I know that several event, one of the thing come up was evacuating children, because it the event happened during school hour. I remember having to support that sort of reunification of it. Exactly. I never thought about it. What if, say, your child was already driving and then it, it, it hit maybe after the school yeah. dismiss and or they are somewhere else. Uh, you know, there's still all a kid walking home, um, you know, when they live close enough. So definitely that helped you minimize you know, confusion. But once again, I'm going to go back to at least I give you a clear uh, starting point. Everybody, it, everyone will experience stress when they face, and then that give you something that give you the next thought would be, okay, I remember mom told me to go when this situation happened, I need to go here. I think for me, it will have the calming effect that give me a purpose where I'm going to go. Yep. Yeah. Also, I allow my mom a roadmap to find me. What happened if you are... Like, say you're on vacation with your family, how would you set up your communication plan? That's a great, um, I think the best practice really is to sort of practice what we preach, so to say. And when you go on vacation, take that extra five minutes wherever you're staying right. and sort of set up that quick communication plan. If it is, if you're staying at a hotel and that's your logical meeting place, if something were to happen then make sure everybody has the address to that hotel, knows the name of that hotel, you know, knows generally where it's located, that kind of thing. So they can get back to it easily. Mm -hmm. If you're staying with relatives, same thing. So yeah, it's always worth taking that extra five to 10 minutes to have that conversation when you're on vacation, because you really don't know when something's going to impact you. And it's scarier, especially for young kids when it when you are on vacation because they're not familiar with any of the surroundings. So have that, yeah, definitely have that conversation and set up that quick alternative plan. 
So many people think that after a a local event that impacts the large um, area, that they're going to probably just all wind up at a shelter. And so they're not really thinking that they need that meeting spot. But the reality is locations of shelters typically aren't decided until the event has taken place because the, the people who are setting up a shelter, the officials don't know where the impact is going to be and what building is going to be left standing or still have power, that kind of thing. And so you won't be able to identify a shelter location pre-event, most likely. And so it's not always the best plan to have a shelter be your meeting place. It's also, you know, it's hopeful that your family will all end up at the same shelter. But if they've been separated, and there are multiple shelters open. You know, your kids may end up being taken to a shelter by a very well-meaning individual. And, and the adults may go to a different shelter. And then it takes that time to connect. That leads us to um, step number two in your emergency communication plan. So step number two is to choose an out-of-area emergency contact person. So since a local event typically impacts the larger community, um, often phone calls, phone lines, you know, even texting sometimes, either the system gets overloaded or it's out of service. Um, Tornadoes, often the first thing to go is communications because the power lines are down. That brings down all the telephone lines. All of those kinds of things are impacted immediately. So it's often hard to reach people within the impacted area. So often what will happen is if you can get a call out, it's easier to reach somebody that's outside of the impacted area because their phone lines won't be as jammed, basically, with people trying to call in or out. So once you get are able to get that signal, have a designated out-of-area emergency contact person. So the likelihood that they would be impacted by the exact same event is extremely low. <laughs> so for example... You know, I have family that live in a different state. So that would be if my husband and I were separated because of an event and couldn't find each other, we would both contact my out-of-state family and they would be able to at least tell us, you know, the other one is safe and they're over at this location or that kind of thing. It's that out-of-area contact that everybody can call into and sort of report into their location and help make sure that that your family is all staying connected. And the piece, the other thing with that is making sure that, especially when you have children, individuals that spend a lot of time with your children, like school or daycare, also understand who that out of contact, out of area emergency contact is. So if something were to happen and they couldn't locate you, they would have that as a backup location to contact, you know, regarding your children and be able to let people know that their safety or where they've taken their your child. So go back to the phone line are overloaded. I know a lot of times someone doing emergency, they do, mm-hmm. I can't remember the proper terminology, they do um, basically all the private line, line won't go through and then allow their first responder having the priority. Well, not out of service, but not overloading. But is that could happen where they have to choose to allow the first responder having priority over other call. So your call is not going to go through. Right. You might be able to get a call out, but trying to reach somebody else in that same impacted area, that call might be cut, that kind of thing. So that's where having that outside of the area contact is really helpful. Right. Would taxing be a better option or just even out of area contact? I mean, out of area contact for taxing. Yeah, um, it can be. The problem is you never know 
the other members of your family if they have lost their phone or if their phone was broken or they have no power and their phone died. Okay. So you can bar again, a big part of this is memorize that phone number, memorize that out of area contact phone number and have every family member do the same because you can borrow somebody else's phone and call that individual. And that helps make sure that that contact can be made. Gotcha. I think I'm just going to get a tattoo. That, that's reasonable. I think. <laughs> like I said earlier, just so out of practice, try to remember people's phone number. We used to do it all the time and we don't do that anymore. And so, yeah. Yep. So I also, for, for those of you that are um, overachievers in this section, okay, and really like making plans, it's also recommended that for each member of your household, create sort of a, you make copies of important papers and share those with, first of all, your out of town contact or someone outside of your immediate family that you feel comfortable sharing it with. So some of the things recommended are copies of um, social security numbers, phone numbers, important medical information for each family member, insurance information, your medical contacts, all your your planned meeting places. So this great plan you've put in place, share that with your out-of-town contact. So again, some of that is actually making physical copies. So have a physical copy of your ID, your insurance plans, and give that to your out-of-town contact. Of course, if you're comfortable with that person. Um, but that also helps. If, if you lose everything, you have that copy somewhere else that is safe. It's also helpful if your children are reunited with that out-of-town contact, but for whatever reason you can't be, then that that out-of-town contact has that information that's going to help them be able to seek medical care for your children and you know just get that that basic information back for them. But I'm trying to think in who will be my out-of-town contact, and I just realized <laughs> there's a lot of people I cannot trust. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I mean, I, I think I'll get Christy my stuff, but then she's not out of town. She's in the same town. I mean, I don't have out of town contact. It is harder than it sounds, quite honestly. I know it is. Like, who do what I put as out of town? My brother. Yeah. I mean, I think he's going to be everybody's out of town contact. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I'm thinking. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so the the last step, step number three, is sort of write all of this down. And really, it doesn't have to be the whole thing, but make sure everyone in your family carries um, in case of an emergency card. It's often referred to as ICE. A lot of cell phones now will have ICE contact. So that stands for in case of emergency. It's basically just a very simple little piece of paper that gives the important information about that individual. So their name, usually their date of birth, um, any specific health concerns, medication that they need, allergies, and then that emergency contact for at least two people. So obviously if it's a child, you want a parent as one of those emergency contacts, that out of town emergency contact would be a really excellent second contact to put on there. You, you can put three contacts if you want. You can put four if you want but it's highly recommended that you have at least two people. And then it's, it's always a good idea to have a couple of these um, and, you know, have one, everybody's life is different. So if you're constantly in your car, keep one in your car. If you're, you know, somebody that goes to the gym a lot, keep one in your gym bag, um, those kinds of things where it's just naturally there and, and can be easily recovered. 
So I'll tell you a quick story about this one <laughs> because it's very relevant in my life. Um, these don't have to be expensive either. So my husband and I, um, before we were even married, we were um, engaged and he was going to work in Texas for a couple of months. So that was out of town for us. He was going to be about six hours away. Um, and he was sort of living there through the week, coming home on the weekends. And we decided that we needed to make these in case of emergency cards, just because he had no other family there. I didn't have any other family where we were living. So we were really sort of dependent on each other. So we just took a little index card, cut it in half. And on each one, you know, he wrote his important information, his name, his date of birth, his blood type, and then his allergies and medication. And I did the same on mine. And then we just took clear packing tape, you know, the sort of heavy packing tape and wrapped those cards. So they essentially became laminated, but we didn't pay anything for them and stuck those, you know, I had it in my purse. He had it in his wallet. Well, come um, about probably two months after we did that, he had been in Texas for a couple of months. Everything was fine. He was at a gas station late one night and was shot Oh no! and was taken to the emergency room because of everything that happened around that his his truck was left at the gas station his phone was in his truck but his wallet was on him so when he got to the hospital the only thing they had to go on to figure out who he was was his wallet which is great but it just said who he was and his you know identification wasn't up to date. We hadn't switched his over to our new location. So they still had an address in, in Texas where he had been living before. Um, so as they went through his wallet, they literally took the whole thing apart and they found in there this one little index card that had my name and my phone number. And they called me in the middle of the night and said, do you know this individual? I said, yes. Why are you calling me? And they said, well, he's been in an accident. He's at this hospital and you need to come see him. And it was only because of that one little index card that they were they knew who to reach out to and get in touch with me so that I could go mm -hmm. see him. That is so, oh, yeah. <laughs> so communication plan works. It People, does. It works. Yeah. 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 And that, and the thing is that that's a great example of something that literally cost us nothing. And it was so simple, but so, so impactful. Yeah, it worked. It worked. So again, you know, do what works for you. It doesn't, you don't have to put every single piece of this plan in play, but, you know, start taking the steps of thinking through who would that out of contact, out of um, area contact be? That's the hardest one. I think where is a good meeting spot? Those kinds of things. And as I always say, you know, just starting to think about things really gets you closer to being prepared. So that's really what we're out here to do is help get you just that one step closer to being prepared. Yeah, it worked. It worked. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Listener, after you finish listening to this, this episode, get out there just on a sheet of paper, write down, make your own ice car and then put mm -hmm. it in your wallet or put it in your purse, or put it in your jacket, anywhere. Put it in your kid's backpack. Yeah, just use clear, clear tape. Yep. Doesn't need to be fancy. Doesn't even fancy. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Angie. Yeah, this is um, yep. Yep. great story, great tip. I just listener, we need to follow through. This is this is important. Yep. Doing just one of these things, taking the time to do just one of these pieces, will get you at least thirty-eight percent more prepared. So true. 
And uh, Angie, I need you to move out of the region, or no, out of state, so you can be my <laughs> out of state contact, so I can be 38% more prepared. I'll work on that just for you, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Next time. Next time on 38% Prepared. Thank you again for listening today. Catch you next time on 38% Prepare on where, Angie? Spotify, Apple Podcast. 38% Prepare is written and hosted by Lee and Angie. Our producer and editor is Christy. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe, give us five stars and a review if you find this show enjoyable. Share this with those that you love and follow us on Instagram at 38.pctprepared.podcast backslash. Just remember, thinking is the first steps of preparedness. So join us next time at 38% Prepared Podcast. See you next time.